Welcome to the Abrew. I'm Lisa. I'm Byron Morrison. I'm Debbie. Thank you for joining us today. Um, as you see, Brian Morrison's here today um, to talk about uh, well, one of his books, I think like a CEO, that I came across uh, a few months ago now, actually, when I was looking through a, just a list of book recommendations on, on a well-known well uh, online site. Um, it really caught my eye. Um, it, I'm not a CEO, I never have been, but I just found it really interesting. Um, so I read the book, really enjoyed it, and actually approached Byron to see if I could do a book review on it um, for, for Assist, on behalf of Assist. Um, and it's been re really well received. It's just a fantastic book that not it's not just for CEOs from my perspective. I'm a business analyst by trade and most of our listeners are. I thought there's a lot of insights in there that they can that BAs can really um, really learn a lot from and, and hopefully resonate with. Um, Byron, ju just to start off with, could you explain a little bit about um, the, the work you do and how you came to write? And not just this book, actually, you've got quite a few different books. I mean, you know, you've got a collection, I believe. Yeah, sure. So for nearly the last decade, um, I've been focusing on helping people reach their full potential. And the work that I do at the moment is primarily helping CEOs and business leaders evolve into who they need to become to take their life and business to the next level. Um, during that time, I've been fortunate enough to work with people in 15 different countries now. And as part of that, one of my big goals was to take a lot of the lessons and insights, what I've learned, and turn it into books and other resources that people can then consume and implement on their by themselves. So with um, my book, Think Like a CEO and the Effect of CEO, that was very much tying into a lot of the lessons I've learned from working with CEOs and business leaders, looking at really how to get out of their own head, how to make better decisions and perform at a higher level. So that's just a good bird's eye overview of what I've been doing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, actually, um, so I've, I've obviously asked Debbie to join us today because Debbie is our managing director and obviously can resonate with a lot of the content that, that you've got and that, you've, that you know about. So, so, Byron, you mentioned the decision framework, and actually that's one of the things that I really enjoyed from your book. Um, there's four different steps is that you, that you talk through um, to, to really help somebody make, I suppose, a bigger picture, really important decision. Um, I, I really think that's, as analysts, I think that's a fantastic tool. There's a real framework there around making decisions. Could you talk, talk to the audience a little bit about that, please? Yeah, before I share that, I just need to take a step back slightly and just give some insights into what actually it takes to make effective decisions. Because when most people are going throughout their days and their life, they make decisions based on where they are in the moment. They look at their current problems, situation, and depending on how they feel or what they want, they make a choice or decision on what to do. And the issue with that is, a lot of the time, that's going to be based on impulse. It's going to be based on in the now satisfaction or, or choosing comfort or pleasure. And a lot of the time, that's going to have long-term consequences, which are going to take you away from where you actually want to be. And this is why, whether you're a CEO or you're in any other role, what, what you're doing in your life, if you want to get to that next level, you need to start making choices based on where you want to get to, not based on where you are. And what that means is you need to start looking at the bigger picture. Instead of just focusing on what's happening today, you need to think five steps ahead. You need to ask yourself, what is going to be the consequences of me taking this action, both positive and negative? Because if you, let's say, for instance, you're procrastinating over launching a new project or having a field conversation. In the moment, it cannot seem like a big deal. It's just something you don't really want to do. But the long-term consequences of not facing that can cause situations to spiral out of control. It causes a ton of stress and overwhelm, and it can have negative impacts on your growth. Whereas actually facing it and taking action on it right now can also get you closer to where you want to be. 
So you need to start looking at decision making and actions you're taking in the bigger picture of what you're doing. And then that ties in nicely to the framework that you mentioned for really big choices in your life. To make sure that you're actually looking at them in the right context, you need to look holistically at what's going on. You need to make sure you're factoring in all the different variables because that's going to go a long way in allowing you to make the correct choice, even if in the moment it seems uncomfortable or something that's risky or you don't want to do. So that's where the four steps come in. It's really breaking the decision down into four different quadrants. The first is if I make this decision, what will happen? The second is if I don't make this decision, what will happen? And then the other ones are if I make this decision, what won't happen? And the final one is if I don't make this decision, what won't happen? So I break that down in the book, but it just gives you a good perspective of really looking at it from every angle so that you can look at, okay, this is all the information. This is all the steps that can come in. This is how it could play out so that you can then make an informed decision. It's going to get you closer to where you want to be. Yeah, that's great. I think it allows you to probably take the emotion out of it a little bit as well. Like I said, if it's, if it's a big, you know, really big decision that's going to impact the rest of your, you know, the rest of your, your business, the rest of your life even. Um, it, I suppose it, it's, it's that important, isn't it, that you get that decision right, you know, you make the best decision you can at that point in time. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, because a lot of the time when you're faced with a big decision, emotion comes into it. And if you just focus on the immediate problem, a lot of the time you'll talk yourself out of it. Let's say you want to launch a new avenue in a business. If you just look at the current situation, you can see, oh, it's too much of a risk or there's too many things that could go wrong or it's going to cost too much money to get it off the ground. If you just focus on that angle, it's always going to seem like it's the wrong decision. But when you start looking at, okay, what could happen as a result of that? What new opportunities could it open up? Where could it get you to where you want to be and everything else involved, suddenly it can actually seem like the right path. So this is why it's so important that you look holistically at five steps ahead. What is taking this action going to allow you to do or what is it going to hold you back from doing? That's how you really start actually making more effective decisions, not just in business, but every area of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Debbie, you, you are actually quite a fan of holistic thinking anyway, aren't you? Would you think that decision framework would really help, help you in your, your work and, and life? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you've mentioned a, a key word to us, Byron, which is holistic and, and holistic thinking, because one of the things we always strive to do is to think about everything holistically. And when it comes to decisions, I love your fourth point. You know, what if you don't make the decision? Because I see a lot of people in all sorts of different situations leaving it so that the decision almost makes itself and to a certain extent I know in the book you talk about mindset and it comes back to mindset a little bit for me there because I always say if you're not going to make a decision decide not to make the decision don't just not don't just let it go so not making decision becomes an inevitability because actually all you're doing is pretending to yourself that you've you've done something when actually you've just let something drift. And I think that's a really, really important point. I like the framework that you've come up with too, because you know, decision making is something we all do all the time. But if you are a CEO or a managing director, quite often you're making decisions that are going to affect other people's lives. And that's that's quite a lot of responsibility on your shoulders yeah. there. But actually, I, I completely agree with you. If you are looking at, well, where are you intending to go with this decision? What are you intending to move towards rather than 
that, you know, what are the facts at the moment, rather than looking a bit further ahead, I think you can get very locked into a spiral of quite narrow decision making and you can lose that holistic view. The other thing, I don't know what you think about this, Byron, but I see organisations um, where the executives seem to make decisions to follow their competitors. And I always think that's an error. Um, but I see it in business all the time. What What do you think about that? Yeah. It's such a common thing, especially if you look at best practices, a lot of the time they say, oh, you need to compare to research, you need to figure out what everyone else is doing in the market. And mm. in my experience, that can lead to a lot of short-sighted decisions because you don't know the full reason behind why they're doing something. You don't know how their business is set up, their goals, where they're trying to get to. So if you try and copy something, you're already behind and you yeah. can also do it for the wrong reasons. That's one of the big reasons why whenever people ask me like about other people in my space, my answer is honestly, I don't know. I'd pay very little attention to what anyone else is doing because I've had that in the past, especially when I first started where I get too caught up and then comparing what I'm doing and then making assumptions on others. And it just keeps you stuck in your own head. And yeah. this is why it's, you need to focus on, okay, where do you want to get to? and what needs to happen. But building on what you said with the whole mindset thing, I think another interesting thing to throw in there is recognizing that you're never going to know the alternative to any decision you make. And a lot of people become their own worst enemy because they get stuck in their own head and they overthink, or they want certainty and to know exactly how it's going to play out before they take the action, whereas there's no way of actually having that. So that's why they stall and put it off. And this is why I'm a big believer in get the clarity you need to feel confident comfortable and confident making a decision, take action on it. And if you've made a mistake, you can always pivot. It's a lot better to take action and start moving forward and then figure it out along the way than it is to delay. That doesn't mean be reckless. I would just throw caution to the wind, but it's better to act and then learn from it and move forward than it is just to keep putting it off because that's where people stay stuck. Yes. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I perceived sometimes is that is that staying stuck as you say and it is I believe it's a mindset thing I I also believe that it's it's a sort of a risk aversion but actually it brings its own risks you know and, and I always say to people yes making that decision you do have to think about the risks you do have to evaluate if they're acceptable but actually not making the decision brings its own risk because all you're doing is putting your head in the sand but the sand is still there you know yeah. and therefore making the decision that you know you have to balance it all obviously but sometimes to think well it's too risky so I'll do nothing is is a huge error in my experience yeah people also tend to blow the risks out of proportion and they make it up to be this huge catastrophe and end of the world whereas even if it does go wrong chances are they'll find a way to fix it or to get back on track. So I 100% agree with you. I'm a big believer. I would rather make a decision and be the wrong decision and move forward than stay stuck. Because yes. But this is how most people's brains are wired. They want to cling to comfort and security. So they'll hold yeah. themselves back in most areas of their life because they're too worried about what could go wrong. And part of the reason why I've been able to get to where I am is developing that mindset of, not worrying about failure or setbacks or things going wrong because that's part of the process it's learning to embrace that and to dive in and then just trust that you'll figure out a way to get through 
I think that yeah. is a big turning point that where a lot of people, when they embrace it, that's how they start moving forward. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it, Lisa? Because you're um, an accredited growth mindset consultant. I don't know if you know this, Byron, but Lisa is. <laughs> the mindset no, is very important to you, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've tried to move, well, some people are very set in a fixed mindset or maybe not about everything, but certain things in terms of believing, you know, what, what they can do or what they can't do. And yeah, so the, um, yeah, the, the consultancy is all about sort of moving towards that more growth mindset and believing that, you know, give it a try. You know, even if, even if you try, you'd be further along than you were before along the scale from fixed to growth. So yeah, no, it's a really interesting concept. Yeah. yeah, I think, sorry to interrupt there, but one really interesting thing that you said there that I think is a big takeaway for people listening is recognizing that trying is making progress because a lot of people hold themselves back because they want to get everything perfect straight away or they fear that they're going to fail, they're going to get judged, they'll be rejected or whatever it is. So they avoid taking action. Whereas actually it's when you try and you fail, that's when you figure out what not to do. It's how you get the biggest lessons of how to move forward. And that's why failure is actually your greatest opportunity for growth. And that's mm -hmm. why the trying and failing is only a bad thing if you don't learn from it. And when you can really embrace that and you can recognize that's part of the journey, you can take all that pressure off yourself. But so many people I see are holding themselves back because they're worried about what's going to happen if they try and they don't get it right. Whereas nothing that you're good at in your life right now, you were amazing at to begin with. All of it was because you showed up, you put in the work, you figured it out and you got better over time. Yet we seem to have this perception of, oh, if we don't do it right straight away, we're not good enough. Whereas actually it's the complete opposite. And once you can recognize that, that's when you can actually start building momentum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's an interesting statement as well, because let's face it, you can never ever get to a point, or you shouldn't, where you think, I have now nailed it. I can now stop improving and developing, because that is the point where you go backwards, isn't it? So continuing that momentum is also critical. And I think if you understand development, momentum, learning, you know that, you know, trying things, usually some things will go okay. Some things maybe don't work quite as well as you'd hoped. So you can adjust and adapt, but you're constantly moving forward. And I think that momentum and understanding momentum is, is really, really important in business because it then says to you and to everybody else, we know we've got to continuously improve because the world changes, different ideas come into play, and therefore we're never ever going to reach that point where it's absolutely perfect. We're always going to need to be looking at it and saying, okay, where's the momentum to do something else now? And Lisa and I work in business analysis, business change. So we're very used to change. But obviously, some people, they find that difficult. But I have seen it so many times where people say, OK, that's enough now. I, you know, I've had enough of learning. I've had enough <laughs> of moving forward. Now I'm going to stop and relax. And at that point, you go backwards. And you see it, you see it in organisations. And I think historically, we've seen it with organisations that maybe have had challenges or have even failed where they've sort of got to that point of almost complacency. I, I don't know if you've seen that, Byron, at all. Yeah, all of the time. And it's just when people get stuck in that comfort zone, because mm. that's where they start making short-sighted decisions or they stop actually growing and moving forward. And this is why I'm a big believer and you have to keep developing yourself. Um, even some of the CEOs I work with who are running billion-dollar companies, they always know that there's always another level. 
there's always area that you can improve. Even if it's just a little bit, that's how you develop an edge. And one of the examples I always give is looking at elite athletes every single day, as good as they are, they're practicing, they're doing the same stuff over and over again. They're looking for ways to improve and that's what makes them the best in the world. And if you want to really live a life that other people never will, you have to be willing to do the things that other people won't, which means you have to keep pushing yourself to improve, figure out how can you grow, how can you get better and how can you develop? That's what makes you world-class. But on the other side of that, a lot of people, the reason why they become unfulfilled and unhappy is because they're not pushing themselves. Every single day, they're going through the motions. Everything's exactly the same. And that's where, like you said, they get complacent. And that's where I find a lot of, whether it's mental health problems or people just feeling like they're stuck and miserable, that's where that starts to creep in. So you have to find that balance of really pushing yourself to keep moving mm -hmm. forward and actually figuring out where you're lagging behind. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we never finished article, are we? We always need to keep in, you know, keep on developing and moving. Um, just in terms of your, uh, so one thing obviously you need is it's a lot of you need energy to do these things to be CEOs, be a business analyst, an athlete, you know, whatever it is. Um, something else that I found really interesting um, in in your book was the, oh sorry, in, in your in your course actually, was the traffic light management system. Uh, where you've got, I think you've grouped into like red, amber, green in terms of your energy levels and to, to make sure that people can keep keep on with that momentum and keep pushing the business forward and, and the personal life actually as well. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for energy management and I find most people never stop to think about their energy. So this is why when I'm working with clients, we track their energy and how they're feeling every single day. And the way that I um, position it is I call it their state of flow. So the way anyone listening to this can do it themselves is every single day you mark yourself, were you green? As in everything just flowed perfectly. It was a really good day. You showed up, took action, everything was fine. Was it amber? As it was stop, start, not great, but not terrible. Or was it red? As in you just couldn't get things going, you were unmotivated, things just, it was just a bit of a disaster of a day. And the reason why we track this is a lot of the time when someone gets burnt out, it's a compounding effect for weeks and months where they've been going through the motions, their energy's down, they're depleted, and all of a sudden they just feel completely wiped out. So this is why by tracking this over an extended period of time, you can look for correlations. If you have several days in a row where you're yellow and red, that's when you can start to see, okay, what's going wrong here? What am I doing or what am I neglecting that's causing this to happen? And then you can hone in. It might be a case that You've been sacrificing sleep. Maybe you haven't been eating properly. Maybe you've had excessive stress or whatever's going on. You can figure out the root cause and focus on fixing it before it continues to spiral. So it's just a really simple and easy way to just figure out, okay, how are you feeling and what's going on right now, which over the long term is going to have a big impact on your longevity and how you can sustain momentum, which I still yet to come across anyone who actually thinks that way. And that's why it's something that when I'm working with my clients, we build in to track because it's all about that long-term success. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think something I found as well was um, you, you used, kept using a phrase over and over in the course, it's non-negotiable about different things that help you sort of manage that energy and the stress and things like, could be going to the gym, going for a run, uh, whatever you do to, to sort of relax. And I, I really like that phrase, non-negotiable, um, just to make sure that you're keeping that optimum, optimum health. Um, Debbie is actually, I don't know if you know this, Debbie, but you're really renowned for having so much energy in, in terms of, you know, sort of running a business, you've got a family, you know, you, you're doing different publications all the time as well. What, what, how, how do you manage that energy, Debbie? How, how do you, what do you do to energize? 
It's really interesting actually listening to Byron because I am quite disciplined about certain things and I always have been. So sleep, I am absolutely disciplined about, okay? I know what I need and I know that I need to have it. And so I'm absolutely focused on that. I'm very sort of organized in terms of meal times and all that sort of thing because I know I know what I need basically but I'm also I'm one of those people that I know which activities take most of my energy and I know the ones that take less energy and I do something that's I'm not sure many people do. Uh, I was talking to one of our colleagues the other day and he was talking about making sure that he has an hour at lunch to go for a walk, to completely, you know, refresh his brain and all that type of thing. That doesn't work for me. Okay. I know it doesn't work for me because I've tried it and it just, it just makes me feel like I'm wasting time when I could be doing something productive. <laughs> but what I do know is there are certain tasks that really take the stress away. And they're, they're very mechanistic tasks, but they're things I enjoy. And one of them, to give you an example, which is going to sound a bit odd, is I really like tidying up slides, <laughs> PowerPoint slides. I find it really enjoyable. And it's such a mechanistic, but I find it quite a fun thing to do. That If ever I'm feeling a bit low energy, that's what I tend to do is something like that, which to a lot of people would be doing work. But to me, it's actually doing something that I really enjoy doing. And I like making things look nice and organized and formatted well. And it really restores my energy. So one of the things that I always think about is that it's a very personal thing. And I, I don't know what you think about that, Byron, because to me, it's a very personal thing. I think this is where it comes down to having the self-awareness of what works for you, because we could talk so we're blue in the face about the best practice and way to do things, but it's not going to work for everyone. And this is why I'm such a huge advocate of there's so many tools and strategies out there and ways that you could do things. You're going to have to test it and figure out, okay, what gives you energy? What mm -hmm. makes you feel good? And then stick to that. And this is where I get a little bit frustrated with um, some of the advice that you see on LinkedIn and all of these self-help books where they're like, this is the exact way you need to be doing things to get mm -hmm. success. It's like the 5 a.m. club. Like people preach about, like if you want to be successful, you have to get up at five. And the amount of conversations I've had with people who they'll do that, but come 11 o'clock, they'll be exhausted and the rest of the day will be a disaster. And then they'll feel bad about themselves that they're failing because they're not following through with what some guru said. And that's why the advice I always give to people is you need to listen to your own body and you need to figure out, okay, what works for you? Because there's no right or wrong way to do something. You can look at all what other people are doing and then optimize and build it. So if it for you, it works looking at slides, great. For someone else, if it's walk, going for a walk, amazing. It's just figuring out, okay, what gives you that energy? And then allowing yourself to do it and not beating yourself up if you can't stick to something that works for someone else. So, yeah, yeah if that works for you, great. I've never, I've never heard that as a way that gives someone energy, but if it works, then fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I've got about five slide decks to send through to you, Debbie. Yeah? <laughs> Thank you. Keep yeah, going send it through. <laughs> but no, the same as I know what you mean. I mean, the 5 a.m. club would never work for me. I'm not a morning person. And I would be by 11 o'clock, I'd be no good to anybody. So yeah, I think you're right in obviously what you're doing to tailoring it to, to the person, um, to the CEO. Um, so I was just going to say a little bit about your, your journaling, because you, you do recommend that your um, the private clients. Um, they, they, is it like three things a day that are 
um, the positive positive things that happened and some some more, a bit more negative things that happened in their responsibility and how they yeah. contribute to that. Does, does that seem to work really well? Yeah, that's something that um, when I work with people for the first two weeks, we I get them to reflect on three things that went right in their day, three things that went wrong, and then what was their responsibility in it. And the reason why we do this is firstly it builds the habit of reflecting because it's what you went through in the day that's your biggest opportunity to learn because that's when you can figure out how did you handle situations, what could have gone better, and how do you then deal with and navigate similar problems in the future. But it also forces someone to take responsibility for the good and the bad in their life. Because a lot of the time, we can all come up with reasons why things went wrong. We seem to hone in on the bad and we overlook the good. And this is why by taking a moment to really figure out, okay, what was right, what was wrong, and what was your role in it, that's how you can start actually developing your awareness. And the key thing with this, it's never about blame. You're not dwelling on the past or beating yourself up over what you did badly, but you're taking the time to figure out, okay, what should you have done the next time so that you can actually follow through? So it could be a case of, let's say you reflect on your day and you know there was a difficult conversation you should have had, but you just kept putting it off because you don't want to have it. Well, there's no point dwelling on that, but what you need to learn is your responsibility was you should have faced it, scheduled a meeting or done it straight away. Because you didn't do it, you put yourself all through all this extra stress and the problem got worse. So you need to learn in future, you need to handle these as quickly as possible. So it's about developing your confidence and intuition, and that's how you really grow and develop. So yeah, I'm a huge advocate in taking time to reflect on what you go through. It's a lot like using the elite athlete example again. If you go look at people who are at the top of their game, one of the activities they do is watch old game footage because they know that's how they can figure out how did they navigate that? What did they do? How can they get an edge? And that's the way they improve. And if you want to be effective in your role, it's exactly the same thing. It's just taking a few minutes every single day to look back on, okay, how did my day go? What did I do? How did I approach it? And how do I then improve for the future? It'll go a long way in really developing your skills. Absolutely. I mean, Baron, I could talk to you about all about this all day. It's a really interesting topic. I've managed yourself, Debbie. Um, but I was just going to say, um, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, have you got any final thoughts um, about today's session to, to leave the audience with? Yeah, one thing I'd love to leave people with is just, I think it's applicable for every single person listening to this, is the biggest reason why people don't achieve their goals or get to where they want to be in life is they focus too much on what they want and they don't figure out who they need to become in order to make it happen. And this is why whenever I'm working with clients, the first thing that we do is figure out, okay, who is that next level version of themselves? Who do they need to come to create the results that they want? And anyone listening to this now could do exactly the same. Just take a little bit of time later today to close your eyes and just figure, get a picture in your mind of that next level version of you that person, version of you who's achieved the life and success that they want three, six, 12 months from now, and then stop and ask yourself, what has that person done every single day that's got them to where they are? And that's going to allow you to reverse engineer it where you can figure out, okay, knowing that these are the habits, the behaviors, the beliefs, the non-negotiables you need to take on that's going to get you to where you are. And then every single day, start your day by revisiting that. Really think about who do you need to show up as today in order to get to where you want to be. And whenever you're in a difficult situation, you're procrastinating, you don't want to make a decision, you don't want to face something you need to do, rather than relying on your current reality and way of doing things, stop and ask yourself, what would the version of you who's achieved what you want do right now? Would they put it off? Would they make excuses? Or would they follow through? 
And when you start thinking and acting and showing up as the version of you who's achieved their goals, that's how you're going to change your life. And it's such an empowering way of starting to push yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's reminded me of um, what we what we know as gap analysis in, in the BA community, where you kind of work out kind of where you are today, where you want to be, and, and how, how a bit of a transition plan how to get there in terms of reverse engineering that. Um, Deb, Debbie, have you got any final thoughts? Well, I think Byron has said most of it, really. <laughs> but I, I do think a lot of it comes down to that self-awareness and, and also a confidence that if you can project forward, that you can work towards it. Because sometimes people, they give up. They say, oh, no, I couldn't possibly achieve that and I can't possibly do it. And one of the things that I've sort of learned in lots of different ways, in lots of different situations, is the more I try, the closer I get to where I want to be. And I just think that having that, I suppose it's confidence, but it's also a bit of self-belief um, and self-awareness really helps with everything that Byron was talking about. Absolutely. Well, thank, well, thank you both for joining me and thank you for watching. Um, if you've got any ideas for future uh, BA Brew podcasts, uh, please contact us at babrew at sskd.com. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.